Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the longest-running podcast in the human history of humans. Uh, my name is Frank, and normally I would kick it to my co-host to start the show, but instead we're going to play a quick game of Who's Bad Take, and they can All introduce right. themselves as they announce their Who's Bad Take. Um, this person last week said that the Bills would win pretty comfortably, and this other person said that the Bills would win, but it would be close. So go ahead if you want to claim your your bad take. I believe I'm sorry. This is Paul. I went out of order, but I was just excited because I think I was the close one because I think I said something like 24 to 20, which seems like a close score. Right. Yes. And I had something on the order of 30 to 20, which means I was fairly close to how many points the Steelers would score, but more than 100 percent off on how many the Dolphins. Right. Uh, and of course, there's one more bad take of, you know, I believe I had some sort of take about them like easily, easily winning and sort of, you know, laughed at Paul. And I think <laughs> so that's your who's bad take for this week, um, because I think it's fair to say as we as we start our, our season recapping a loss to the Steelers, um, that of all the ways I thought about this game out playing out um, a 23 to 16 loss to the Steelers did not enter my mind. It didn't. And I am, it, it was a shock. It was a shocking game. And I think we'll talk about it, obviously, at length here. Um, it's certainly not what anybody else had been predicting. Um, I mean, I think you'd have to really search for somebody who was picking the Steelers. Um, but, you know, the, the Bills go in, they they have a a defensive game for most of the game. Um, they they kind of give it up in the fourth quarter. There's a there's a special teams touchdown in there that isn't really the defense's fault. But man, 23 to 16, uh, nothing really getting going correctly on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with Scott. Scott, what did you what did you make of this game? And then how have you sort of how, how have you sort of come to understand it in the in the days since the, the end? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a rough watch because um, it's it's definitely like I remember the old Bill Simmons column talked about like levels of losing and there's one where it's like you're up and then you kind of start seeing it slip away and you're like no really we just just stop them or just score another touchdown or or whatever and then it never it never happens you never get that one thing that you needed that would have stopped the game from going the way that it did because it, it was not like the bill the the Bills were outclassed in this game um, both teams clearly had some rust in the first half. Um, both teams clearly had a defense that was playing well and an offense that, that looked like it was mostly out of sorts for most of the game. Um, and it was really the difference of the game could easily just be the special teams touchdown, which obviously kind of was, you know, if you get it and, and the two turn, I mean, really, if you count that as a turnover and, you know, the Allen had another, the fumble from Allen as the two turnovers against the bills, that's what they, you know, it, it goes back to, well, team that turns the ball over more loses. And, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to say it's quite that simple, but that's a lot of it. And I think I I was very uh, angry. I don't say very angry. I was I was annoyed and frustrated um, at what appeared to be, you know, the guys can talk more about the, the playing and the players. I am very frustrated at the coaches, at McDermott and Dable specifically. Um, you want to talk about turnovers, um, I, you know, going fourth down is fine. Halfback pass on fourth down at midfield seems like you're trying too hard. Um, and it seems like you're trying to outthink uh, something rather than an attempt to, 
just do this, do the, do the easy thing with the six foot five, 250 pound quarterback. Um, I think the, the, the adjustments that the Steelers made coming out of the locker room were obviously much better than the bills. Um, yeah. and that is, that is a hundred percent on the coaches. It's on McDermott and Dable. Um, I think in general, Sure. Everyone was probably a little rusty coming into this game. That's going to be on the coaches a little bit. Obviously, it's going to be on the players a little bit. But the the halftime adjustments is 100% on the coaches. And I think, frankly, the play calling from Dable was not um, up to snuff. The Steelers were able to get way too much pressure up front. We did not seem to have an answer other than Josh Allen has to complete a seven-yard out or a seven-yard curl every every play. And mm-hmm. that's the only thing we can run. Apart from two well-blocked Devin Singletary runs, that uh, we immediately kind of shot ourselves in the foot into, uh, you know, executing in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, yeah okay. I, I, could, I could go on for a long time with, with all the other failures that led to this. I will take some solace in the fact I don't think the Steelers are going to be a bad team this year, um, but that does not change the fact that now we are, if it comes down to tiebreakers, they're going to be ahead of us. So, um, right. That's, that's, I'm, I'll, I'll stop for now. Yeah, let me transition to Paul here by saying two things. First of all, I think that one of the other silver linings is that while the the Bills did piss away a lead, they didn't they they weren't the par exemplar of the week of pissing away a lead because Cleveland I think was up like 18 or something on Kansas City and like they really just needed one more play and they they couldn't find it. Um, not to excuse the Bills. The other thing is that the, that fourth and 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 one play I I had said somewhere to Paul or maybe in the group chat and Paul confirmed with Dable that like they ran the damn play from 2004 with Willis McGahee and, and, um, and Drew Bledsoe to which I thought as, as somebody on Twitter pointed out to us, uh, Josh Allen is, you know, he's huge. Just, you know, that was, it was somebody on GR had said for 20 years, Tom Brady fell forward on fourth and one and got first downs and like, it was good enough for him. So like, let's just do it because Allen is that big. Let me turn it over to Paul. Um, Paul, you are you are certainly simpatico on um, on a lot of what Scott has already said. But can you get us also give us your thoughts and then let's get into the discussion of there was a lot of talk about the passing game versus the running game this week so far. And if you have any thoughts on on that. Absolutely. Yeah. The fourth quarter, since you both touched or fourth quarter, excuse me, the fourth down since you both touched upon that. I feel like the, there were three where they made the wrong decision of a sort on each. There was a fourth and three where they should have gone for it and they punted. There was a fourth and eight where it probably would have been better to punt or try a long 53-yard field goal. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like fans would get on you from punting from the 36. But the way that game was going, I'd have been okay with that. And then the fourth and one, as you just noted, yeah, fall fall four. And I get the Steelers were selling out, and that's kind of an indictment of the Bills' guards that they didn't think the guards were going to be able to get enough of a push there. But I still think they should have done it. So... Frank uh, Scott did a good job going through the uh, the coaching mishaps. I will go more through some of the, the player mishaps and and do so briefly. After a game like this, you try and walk that fine line between, you know, massive panic and reasonable concern. So, you know, my overall opinion, this was simply a, a bad game. You know, the Bills beat the Steelers the last two times, but the offense was, you know, largely inert in both of those games, too. You know, the Steelers have a great defense. Josh was shaky. Maybe he was too amped up in front of the crowd. You had the huge miscue on special teams with the block punt, and that was the difference in points. The Steelers won by seven, and the Bills gave up seven on that. And, you know, I expect that they'll rebound and still be a great team or or at least a very good team. 
that said, there there's some reasonable concerns. And one thing that stuck out at me with some of the articles I was reading, this is now, you know, six times that the Bills have pr- faced primarily, you know, a zone defense in the last two seasons. And they are three and three in those games. And those three wins are, are the Jets game last year, where you might remember they couldn't even score a TD. I think they won 18 to 12 with all field goals or something like that, or 18 to 10. Uh, there was a Chargers game where the offense underperformed. And then the Colts playoff game where, it took them 28 and a half minutes to do anything on offense. So, you know, that means the team can at the very least expect teams will start using more zone against them because it's been largely effective for the teams that utilized it. And that also includes the last two playoff games and this past Sunday's game. So, you know, for those keeping track, that's three straight games where the Bills offense has been pretty well contained. And while, you know, comparing from one season to the next can be dubious, I believe, unless you guys correct me, they've had the same 11 offensive starters each of those games. Unless, you know, again, maybe I'm wrong there, but I think it's it's the same. Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, I guess Sanders in there for John Brown. Yeah. So 10 of the 11 are there. So They're running I, the same offense, though. It's not like right. it's a. Right, I'm not comparing the 2017 to the 2018 Bills or 2018-2019 where it was a full-scale, everyone except Dawkins and Allen sort of deal. Sanders Sanders did not play great in this game, but he was not the difference. Uh, John Brown being healthy was not the difference in this game. Right, Right. absolutely. So, you know, an issue everyone's talked about is the defensive backs. You know, we had problems behind Trey. I think it was ironic that Levi Wallace's play where he gave up the TV to Chase Claypool was probably less concerned because that was just a great catch by Claypool. Uh, but, but Levi doesn't have EJ Gaines or, or a Philip Gaines or a Kevin Johnson or a Josh Norman pushing him this year. And the early returns are not great. And now you have a Dolphins team this week with a very talented, uh, with very talented young receivers, plus Mike Kosicki. The offensive line is an enormous concern. I, I won't go into too much detail about that because I suspect Frank may want to uh, destroy them as well. Uh, we talked about rotating guards and the team did that though. Butker only ended up with 10 snaps, but there was constant pressure on Allen. Scott mentioned they had two, you know, very well-blocked runs that Singletary exploded on, but otherwise, except for that one field goal drive, Singletary had two fumbles and there wasn't a ton of space there. So yeah, all in all uninspiring start to the season. And we have to hope that it was indeed just a blip on the radar. You, You know, I think that the, I mean, the offensive line, was clearly outmatched by by the Steelers' defense, and that's that's just like garbage and, and a terrible thing. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what to say other than like they were clearly outplayed. And it's one of those things that okay, maybe after you look at tape and and that kind of thing, you can fix some scheme stuff like that. I think clearly though, I'm with Scott that that's probably more of a coaching problem at that point because somebody needs to do something to to change that equation. The the, the Steelers weren't blitzing right because i was in the game going like well they're getting there like why wouldn't we do a yeah i think they blitzed twice in the second half and that was it for the entire game right well why wouldn't you do a draw play well that's because frank their draw play is not going to help you if they're not blitzing because there's still a bunch of people (laughs) out there ready for a tackle but maybe devin singletary should have been you know left into block a bit more or maybe you should have done some rollouts or maybe you should have done i don't know something i think one of the things that came up was a lot of people thought like, well, you know, we saw Devin Singletary run be- well on some of those plays. And why didn't we do that more earlier? You know, especially when you look at Josh Allen's 51 
pass attempts. That's a lot of pass attempts. And I don't know that I want more than, I mean, there's 25 running plays here, nine of which are Allen, 11 of which are Singletary, uh, and then four for Brita and one for McKenzie, which absolutely got blown up. I think 25 is probably a good number of running plays for this team, 20 to 25 carries. The issue is the 51 passes. And the problem with the 51 passes is not that Josh Allen was passing 51 times. It's that you got to 51 because something happened in the first 20 to 30 passes that you weren't getting what you're used to getting. And so you had to keep passing. And in some ways, I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad that they kept trying to pass it because it felt like, especially in the first half, I thought once they got that touchdown, I had a good feeling like, oh, okay, we've we've broken the seal here. We've gotten through and now we've got a good sense of what to do. And and they didn't. And they, they kind of went back and they, they, as Scott pointed out, they were sort of outsmarting themselves, um, you know, and there was definitely physical miscues. Allen missing the bomb to Sanders is a big problem. Um, you know, there are a handful of times where, uh, you know, it hits Sanders. I know it hit Sanders in the hands once. And, and I think some other people and, and the, the, the DBs got that knocked the balls out, that kind of thing. There, there was some excellent play from the Steelers, um, defensively, but, uh, you know, offensively, I don't, I, I tried to think about what they did well offensively and they didn't No, nothing. Did nothing you, well you yeah, like Josh was bad, but you mentioned like there were drops they, right. that didn't help either. Right. It was there, you know, so offensively, like overall, you know, even Diggs nine catches, 69 yards, he was targeted 14 times. Right. Like, I'm sure he wishes he could catch some more or I'm, you know, yeah. And and what, seven to eight yards of catch. Those aren't Diggs like, you know, that's not Diggs like production. Right. And and that's the kind of thing where you thought, okay, well, even if he makes a couple more of those catches, that starts to change Allen's numbers. Maybe he's not throwing 51, he's throwing 45 and he gets over 300 and that can change the complexion of a game. I was a little disappointed in the, in the, the Trey white pickoff, not being a turnover, but um, you know, that, that was ticky tacky, I guess. And they were sort of, um, I, I, this brings me to the line with the holding call specifically. Um, they, they said that the league might be quote unquote hold, you know, calling holding more because last year it was an all time low and two years ago it was an all time high. And so we might be finding a middling ground. Hopefully the, the, the bills offensive line wasn't good last year just because they could hold. Um, <laughs> then we're in a lot of trouble, but I, to me, what has come, what I've come away from this game thinking is, the Steelers have an excellent defense, certainly an excellent pass rush. Okay, they played an inspired game plan. They made a handful of key plays, including a special teams touchdown, and they won by one score. And like to me, this is one of those games where Buffalo's talented enough that like they were kind of in like if they were a regular Bills game like a Bills team from a few years ago this team would have been blown out right like the Steelers would have been all over them and it would have been the end of it and here they were at the end of the game sort of like out of it but not exactly out of it and you're looking at it going like well gosh we we sort of beat ourselves more than the Steelers beat us i think what feels most disappointing about the game and why it maybe sits as badly as it does with a lot of people is not so much the bills in comparison to the Steelers, but the bills in comparison with what we thought the bills were going to do, right? Like you're chasing your own ghost here. And so that's the problem is, is it's not so much that they lost to Pittsburgh, but it's that the bills didn't, you know, absolutely just come out guns blazing and stomp Pittsburgh the way that you would think a perfectly healthy bills offense should have. And here's the real test. I mean, 
you know, he you look at the games they came out of last year. They came out of the the back-to-back Tennessee Kansas City loss, and they put together some good games. They come out of a, a a stinging Arizona loss, and they put together a bunch of good wins and a bunch of good offense. And uh, you know, for as good as some of these other teams are, hopefully uh, they're not all the Pittsburgh defense. So we'll see. We'll have to see. Um, Scott, uh, would you would you get us uh, some some three stars of the game? <clears throat> Yes, I will. I will uh, briefly take the floor yes. to uh, to not do three stars and talk about your points. No, um, I will <laughs> you, you, you no, like, it's fine. No, I think I will just briefly say two things. One, if well, one thing that I can remember, and we'll see if I remember the other one. The the run game thing to me, I think I am a little more in favor of a little more run game, but I'm also not really confident that Singletary is the guy to produce it based on the fumbling. So I'm also not I'm not crying for it either. I think to me, it's just you have to be able to run enough to throw them off, and I we clearly weren't doing that on Sunday. We did not help out the pass game by making them slow down the pass rush at R. They were pretty much just teeing yeah. off, and that's that's the concerning thing is that it makes it if you're one dimensional, it's easier to stop. Even if that one dimension is probably better, you you want to have some threat there anyway. Um, and second thing, I I think we all talked on Sunday, but just to raise it again, it seemed like they were pressing. It seemed yeah. like everybody on the team was trying a little too hard. And I think y- your point about the ghosts of last year, I think everyone thought it was just as simple as like, not not just as simple as, everyone assumed that they could go out and try and get it done. And then when it couldn't, they're all like, oh, stuff. We got to get in there and really like try hard and, you know, thread the pass perfectly, make the perfect block, you know, run the perfect route when you can never do that, all that. In a football game, you just have to try and do your job the best you can and hope that it's good enough. If you're pressing and, and trying to be perfect, you're, you're honestly probably not going to get where you need to go. It seemed like there's a lot of that on Sunday. Anyway, three stars. Uh, honorable mentions go first. Uh, so we have a couple. Uh, not a lot of Bill's offensive players on this mm-hmm. list. I'll just go ahead and preview that now. Um, but honorable mentions incur, uh, include Cameron Hayward. Uh part of the great defensive uh, performance by Pittsburgh along with Melvin Ingram. Um, both guys, I felt like I saw Ingram on every play. He was chasing yeah. down. He was chasing down Allen. It was stupid. Hayward had the two press, press, uh, press breakups, pass breakups, and had four tackles and a sack. Um, I will also say Bill's defenders also had good days. Um, Ed Oliver had kind of a, a nice game with some, some good plays, nice tackle for loss. Um, Mario Addison, bringing the heat, getting a sack. Did the Bills' defense, I think, probably have, have not touched on enough, played a, yes. a really pretty good game. Um, the Steelers, obviously not like a, a, a powerhouse offense, but certainly have some talent. Um, I think Najee Harris is going to be good back. The game plan for him was perfect. So I think we did a really good job. Most, most days, if you limit the team to 16 points on offense, they, they score 16 points from their offense. You're, you're probably going to walk away with it. So, so kudos all around the Bills defense. Um, but we will get into the third star, which does go to Cameron Sutton. Uh, five tackles, two tackles for loss, two pass deflections, and I believe had the punt block. Obviously a huge game. We kind of talked about it. I think none of us are special teams experts, so I don't think any of us can explain to you why it was that that, pass prote- that punt protection did not work. But whatever it was, um, I, I mean, I'll give it to Sutton because he, he made the play. But it seemed like there were two or three guys who could have had a decent shot at blocking that punt. 
and yeah. it literally like it's like we had never seen a punt block before i think sal so, capaccio had a had a nice explanation as to what the miscommunication was but i i obviously don't remember yeah so so did joe Viscalia, but i don't remember either it was just like oh the steelers had kind of a stunt up front and no one blocked anyone they were supposed to yeah and that's that's stupid like that's like i can't imagine that's the first time that anyone's ever run a stunt on a punt block um but regardless like it doesn't really matter what the breakdown was it it uh, it was a critical moment, and the, the the team wasn't prepared enough to deal with it. So again, goes to coaching. Um, but regardless, Cameron Sutton gets the third star for that and some good defensive plays in general on on Bills wide receivers throughout the day. Your second star will go to Jordan Poyer, um, who is not the one who got the personal foul, right? That was Micah Hyde. Uh, or was I can't it Hyde? remember. I'm trying to remember, but I, anyway. look out. I don't even remember the personal foul because that game was. Yeah, no, I, that was on a Steeler. Was it on a Steeler? I thought they maybe it was on. a All right. Anyway, but Jordan Poyer had a good game, had a sack and six tackles. Again, a, a great performance from the Bills defense, um, except for maybe the number two CB Levi Wallace, as we talked about earlier. Um, you know, again, it, it doesn't have to be a lot. But if you have a weak link on your defense, professional NFL teams will find it. Um, so we have to be a little concerned about that. I hope Dane Jackson gets healthy and starts providing that, that competition more so. Uh, but in the meantime, Jordan Poyer is trying to do the best he can back there, along with the rest of the defense, to, to, to plug the gap. And your first start goes to, of course, my boy from Wisconsin, TJ Watt. Two sacks, the forced fumble, the tackle for lost. A all five, the millions of dollars. A, <laughs> yes, all the money. Um, five QB hits, which is a little bit of hometown scoring, right? What is the, yeah. uh, a little bit of like the, well, but that's the thing. It was not hometown scoring because he was in Buffalo, yeah. but, but the stat keeper, um, you know, gets to decide how many tackles people get. And that's like Tremaine Edmonds gets like 20 tackles because it's like, oh, he was in the area. Put him a tackle. Um, but regard, no, but I mean like between he and Ingram, it was really, it felt like every play Allen had the clock on him and there wasn't, um, there wasn't an answer from the offensive line and there wasn't an answer from the, the offensive coordinators in an attempt to kind of neutralize that. I mean, there was at least one time I remember, I think we had at least three guys trying, I think we had a back chip him and he got double teamed. And honestly, I'm still not sure that we, I think we, I think you think we pushed him to the ground a little bit. So it, it, you know, sometimes we were able to do it, but obviously like that's not, um, you know, the Steelers won the game. And I think what was, a, uh, it was, part of the defensive effort that really won the game for the Steelers. So um, those are your three stars for week one. Very good. Thank you very much, Scott. We also just, I wanted to briefly, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but just in case anybody hadn't looked at the league scores, um, here's some teams that you thought might've won that didn't. Uh, <laughs> um, Tennessee. Uh, who else? Uh, well, Houston won by a lot, which is a weird score. Uh, Kansas City won. They beat Cleveland, even though they were way down. Um, the Saints absolutely trashed Green Bay. Um, who else? Las Vegas it, steals one from Baltimore. Yeah, that uh, was the craziest game. We we don't have to go into it, as I mentioned, but like, yeah, just the I don't know if you guys watched it, but for them to score and everyone's on the field celebrating, and no one hears the referees say, "Okay, yeah, we're reviewing this play," and then they overturn it, and then they throw an interception in the end zone from the one. Oh, it, to end in a Zay Jones walk-off, that was, that was by far the nuttiest game I have seen in, in years. So Good for Zay. And, yes. 
Um, it's just to highlight that maybe there was something in the Bengals water. over Vikings. One yeah, day. I think that counts as an upset, right? Oh yeah. And, and you have a couple of like, you have a thing. Oh, I just saw one. Like the entire AFC yeah, West. He, what, yeah, one I, of the, I had I had West is best under here because if you're in the AFC West or the NFC West, congratulations, you have not lost a game yet. Eight no, the West divisions. Right, but if you're if you're in the South. Well, you know, the Houston Texans are have a one-game lead over everybody. <laughs> um, generally thought to be, if not the worst team, then the second-worst team behind the Jaguars. Um, you know, the Colts lose. And then here you've got the Patriots, you know, which as the – or not the Patriots, the Dolphins, which as the Dolphins beat writer love to point out, you know, the Pythagorean formula, they're a plus one in, in, in score. Um, they're the only team with a win in the AFC East. And one would have to think that – at least some of these things will not be sustainable. And as a as a pin for this uh, story, a reminder that the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost the first week last year. So we are and in good company. The Cleveland Browns lost by 32 in their opener last year before getting within, you know, not very far of making the AFC title game. So yeah, right. They've that must really kill them. That like they had the they've had the Chiefs on the ropes twice, and they haven't yeah. been able to put them away. Um, we uh, also have a story that this is the story that a variable length uh, Erie County in conjunction with Pagula Sports Entertainment. So this applies to Bill Stadium, uh, Highmark Stadium, and also the Sabres Harborfront Arena um, for any and all events, including football games and hockey games. You will now have to be vaccinated to attend and show proof of vaccination to attend uh, an event at the stadium. And this is at least partially in response to the fact that they tried in week one to have an honor system of um, vaccinated um, or, you know, no no mask is fine. Or if you're unvaccinated, you have to show a negative test and, you know, you're supposed to wear a mask. And basically nobody wore a mask um, uh, to the stadium. And so now they're just going to sort of put the clamp down. Um, Everybody who wants to get in has to show proof that they have been vaccinated. Basically, you've got to show your little card or if you're in New York State, I guess they have a digital app you can put your card on and it helps scan things faster. I am sure some QAnon is is likening that to the mark of the beast as we speak. But uh, here we are. uh, And there's been at least one delightfully angry caller um, into WGR that I heard. He was fantastic because he didn't realize that he could show his paper card. Anyway, it's a long story. we have talked ad nauseum about vaccinations. We are all vaccinated. We find no fault with being vaccinated. I do wonder, as as a lawyer in the group, whether this is going to start toting the line of legal versus you, you actually can't make somebody do that. But technically, these are private facilities that you have to be ticketed for, and they can put a lot of different types of health restrictions on people. Uh, you know, they have a re- right to refuse entry a lot of times. So my guess is it will it will pass muster. But I would be surprised if there are not challenges, if not starting today, like tonight, then in the next day or two to these these types of laws. Uh, I turn it to Paul first and then Scott. If, if either of you have thoughts, uh, please share, and then we can move on to our listener questions. Yeah, legally, one thing that is interesting is we're talking about trying to get taxpayer funding for a new stadium. Well, then to what extent is the stadium a public uh, facility yeah, versus utility. a private facility. So, you know, that's that's going to be part of the discussions that we'll see in the coming weeks. And as Frank mentioned, we've talked about vaccinations 
ad nauseum on this pod, and it was, in fact, the less than ideal behavior of people within the stadium in terms of following policy on Sunday that has led to this. The Bills are the fourth organization as of this recording to make a vaccination to make to make it a mandate to be vaccinated to go to the game. The other outdoor stadium is Las Vegas, I want to say, is the outdoor stadium that that has us or Seattle, whichever one of those is outdoors. So, you know, there's this is, you know, it's it's the right decision from a health uh, public health perspective, certainly. There's Cole Beasley's already involved in this on Twitter, though thankfully not as much as I expect he will be in the coming weeks as, as this gains more ground. Uh, we'll see if Jordan Poyer's wife can go to the game anymore. I'm interested in in that take. So, yeah, it's, it's where we are. There's going to be some legal stuff coming on down the line. I think part of this is to almost encourage the people who are not vaccinated to go and get vaccinated if they want to keep following. I think that will work to a degree. I think there are people are going to still continue to hold out and just not go to games. So we'll see what the coming days, weeks, and probably months uh, bring for the rest of the season in terms of the stadiums and the vaccine. I have no uh, particularly interesting thoughts on this question. Okay. Well, and I thank you for your candor because I'm ready to move on. Uh, Listen to your questions. It's it's basically the the Stephen show this week. I I was going to say that, the Stephen show. Stephen texted – to be fair, we didn't put out a call for questions, but Stephen – I did, but everyone ignored it except Stephen. So Stephen put in some questions, then I put out the call for questions, and Stephen was the only one to put out the reply to those questions. Okay. Well, we had a lot of fun – You deserve this segment. We had a lot of fun interacting with uh, Brian and Brian and Mark and – Nicholas and and Lars and others and Josh, not Josh. His name is Josh Allen is better. Yeah, Josh Fullen. That's right. Um, lots of people during the game this week. So that was fun. Um, do you want to read Stephen's comment? You have the next segment, right? You have. Right. Day, How about we do? Headlines. I can read the, I can read Stephen's Stephen's before questions because they're mainly statements. And then you can read his uh, three latest from the last 25 minutes. And I'll read his from yesterday. Okay. Very good. So. Stephen noted yesterday, pretty much what everybody else is saying, O-line is the biggest problem. Allen often too slow to release, indecisive, nobody open, can't tell, and too often inaccurate, too many drops by receivers, notable exception Knox, which was, he was the one who didn't seem to drop anything. Here's fourth down decisions and play calls. So, yep, we covered all that. Also, this is an interesting one, run it more. Singletary was productive enough on the ground, unless you ignore half his runs. Uh, five of 11 went for six plus yards. You passed 51 times and only made 16 points. Run it more. Yes, fumbles are concerned, but Allen fumbled twice too. But Allen fumbled twice, I will note, and had the went back to pass 51 times and had nine rushes, which means 60 times Allen had the ball. Not to excuse his fumbles at Singletary's, but as a running back, Singletary's going to he does none of his were blindside fumbles. They were not paying attention fumbles. Run it more. Uh, I don't know. You guys have a run it more thought? I can go either way on this. I think. Yeah, we kind of did that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I go back to the I'll go back to the line briefly. I I have I have a little concern about the line. I think I am concerned. I was never really sold on the line. I wasn't going to ask too many questions last year when everything was going well and they were doing fine. But like, just the talent doesn't always seem like it's there. Like Mitch Morse obviously has has the track record. Deion Dawkins I think is a good player, but he's not. I don't know that he's like a Pro Bowl left tackle. And Darrell Williams has, you know, I think 
was really good last year, but obviously has been inconsistent in his career. And then Feliciano, Betker, uh, Cody Ford, all those guys have been inconsistent their whole careers. So I am not. I'm 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 not like sold on this line in general. Yeah, Frank had made the point like maybe it was the fact that they were getting away with holding all last year and we just didn't realize right. it that they seemed better. And it's I think hard. we compared them to that 2018 line, which was the worst in the league trash fire. So to have a mediocre to slightly be- below mediocre line seemed like a huge improvement. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say exactly without going back, obviously, and watching tons and tons of film, which no one in this podcast is going to do and say, yeah, like these things would probably be called holding. Now, we might also get an adjustment as the league goes forward, too, because let's be honest, like the league gets sick of calling holding and it does change throughout the year. So we'll have to see kind of what the what that is. Um, my only retort really about the run more and, and Stephen will clarify his comments in a moment is how much more and 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 i, I think steven's re, um uh, clarification gets to this but we can all say like we should have run more and i think it's perfectly fine to say yeah in this situation somebody should have been doing something different here because what was happening wasn't working but for me what should have been happening was i, I would have preferred them scheming a block or a movement for allen differently to try and get him more um, clear passing attempts um, to get that ball in all in the hands because I don't think that Devin Singletary or even Josh Allen runs are the difference in this game. For me, the difference in this game is four or five completions somewhere that change a drive, and that's to me where the failing was. I, I just don't look at it and go. I, I think if you take if you're taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, you're generally playing to what other teams want and i don't disagree that you know one or two more runs this this past week in particular might have done something but i don't really think it it was the difference and steven's question slash clarifications here just to clarify my remarks on the other thread i am not in favor of more running just for its own sake or because i think it's necessarily the best way to win rather it could have helped uh in the game in the face of everything that was going wrong with the passing game it was an appropriate adjustment to have made at halftime, if not before. Second and eight is arguably preferable to first and 20. Um, and I I think he's probably right there. Those are his final comments. And he didn't actually have any questions, Paul. So there you he, go. Well, he had one buried in here from today. Uh, do, mm-hmm. Does this game oh, make yes, there we go. how good the Bills actually are this season? Or was it just I one of those games, which I kind of addressed my opinion on in the opening segment? Right. Does this game make you reconsider how the Bills actually are as, as this season or is this one of those games? I'm not ready to, to pack it in yet. No, I think that, I think that yeah, we, we need to see them play against, you know, they need to beat up some teams here. And they, they are going to get the Dolphins, which they've historically had good success, followed by uh, Tyler Henneke and the Washington. Now, Washington has a good front four, but, yep. you know, we'll have to see if Tyler Henneke can make the plays that, that, that Ben Rotha Ben Roethlisberger made. So we'll have to see, or, and, and if the bills can adjust to that. So I don't know, it could be a rough beginning to the season. Um, but I don't know that I'm ready to, to, to call it, call it, a uh, uh, hit the panic button, I suppose. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone feels like panicking, but obviously like th- there is like, you know, the, the bullets are real here. Like, you know, these <laughs> games, these games count and, um, you know, this, this one is an out of division game. It's in the conference, but it is against a good contender. It's not the end of the world, you know, next, next week, right? Next week yep. is, mm-hmm. is a division game. 
Yes. And, and, and arguably against the, the team, division leading Miami Dolphins. And, and even though we've trashed the Dolphins uh, before, like that's again, that's a, as Sean McDermott himself would say, this team has not beaten this team this year. Yes. Past yeah. results do not guarantee future performance. Precisely. Um, speaking of future performance, I can't wait to see what our future performance is on these headlines of the past. Yeah. All right. Well, this is this day in Bill's headlines. I tried to cheat, gentlemen, and go back in previous years and hope that we had previously podcasted on September 15th during the history of this segment. And we had not. Uh-huh. So I had to go and do research like I do every week. Uh, so that's what I get for trying to take a shortcut. Good thought, but though. Here, yeah, I tried. Uh, so here we go. This day in Bill's headlines for September 15th. September 15th, 2020. Blank occupies his usual spot on Bill's D-line. Many thought he would be a cap casualty in the offseason, but he played 45% of the defensive snaps. Well, second Trent round Murphy. pick. What's Trent Murphy? Trent was that, Murphy. Scott? Yeah. All right. Good job. 2019. Bill's blank and hip-hop legend DMC to release song Adrenaline Junkie. Run? Uh, no, it was not. Run did not play for the Bills, in fact. <laughs> well, not in 2019, I guess. But... Right, yes. Um, uh, and he's, yeah, Run is still alive, right? It's, yeah, two, I... it's two of the three members of Run DMC are still alive. Um, but DMC did say, I'll collaborate with anybody if they're making good, inspirational, positive music in an interview with the Buffalo News. He's not an athlete trying to be a rapper. He's a serious songwriter, artist, human being. That is something to say. That's what attracted me to him. What, you yeah. said he was Bill's legend? Not, not a Bill's legend, just a Bill. A current Bill. A 2019 a Bill and current Bill. Cole Beasley. And Cole Beasley is correct. For really? You. Oh, yep. my what? God. <laughs> there you go. I didn't um, even get I, to make my, we know, it's called Adrenaline Junkie. We know he's not an actual junkie because that would involve needles. That's but, um, good. Yeah. Um, and for the record, it's Jam Master J, known as Jason William Mizell, who passed away. That's right. Uh Daryl McDaniels and Joseph Simmons run in DMC, still alive and rapping. All right. Well, we have a dead bill to discuss later. So now I'm we have to look up Cole it. Beasley's rap song. Oh, he's got a few. He's got at least one album. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's this is a thing he does. That's what I liked following him on Twitter for before, you know, the pandemic. And then the, his Twitter updates changed. Oh, he has an anti-vax rap song. Oh, does he? Yeah, he was from July 30th. That didn't get a lot of coverage. Uh... All right, we're not going down this rabbit hole. Yep. All, right. All right. Uh, Under the 2017 headline, then. Bill's running back blank on ex-Panthers GM Dave Gettleman saying he had deteriorated. So when you say that I've deteriorated, I'll prove to you that I'm not. At that time, I was 263, 264 pounds. I'm 247 now. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to play. I'm obviously doing a good job here. They like it. I'm going to show you in the rest of the league I haven't deteriorated. Did he then deteriorate? He did, in fact, deteriorate. I will say this. He was better with the Bills in 2017 than he was with the Panthers in 2016, so he did improve. But that 2017 season was his only one with the Bills and his last one in the NFL. He's an undrafted player out of Coastal Carolina who played that. The the role McDermott seemed to like his first few years of, like, let's just get a, a veteran back to come in here. and Die in there, yeah. yeah. Mike Tolbert? Mike Tolbert would be it. Yeah. Good job, Scott. King Bill, Mike Tolbert. Yeah. Right. 2016. 
blank to sing national anthem for Bills Jets Thursday night football. Blank is a noted Miami Dolphins fan, so don't expect the Charleston Darius South- Rucker. Oh, wow. I had I didn't even get to make my we know he's a Dolphins fan because he's such a baby that the Dolphins make him cry mm, joke right. because Frank was way too on top of that one. Yeah. How did I you saw, remember that? I saw well, no, I saw them in Darien Lake outside of Buffalo, for those who don't know, um, with Hootie and the Blowfish. And he had they had to stop playing that song in the middle and they go, look, I'm a Dolphins fan. Nobody here likes the Bills. <laughs> and, and the whole crowd was like, kind of fuck you. They go, but we drink, we've had beers with John Fina and John Fina's a good guy. So we're going to toast John Fina in this song instead of the local sports team because we hate the Bills. Um, <laughs> and so I that always stuck with me that he was a, Dolphin, a Dolphins fan. And once you said noted Dolphins fan, I just like... I, I took a step. It was either him or probably uh, Pitbull, because I think he's from Miami. Yeah. Wow, you guys are five for five and only three to go since I made it a little bit shorter this week. So no pressure. All right. Bills re-signed cornerback Blank placed linebacker Eddins on IR. Blank was released a week before the start of the season, selecting the fourth round of the 2008 draft out of Akron. He had an interception and defended 18 passes in 44 games, including 12 starts with Buffalo. He will help a secondary that will be without starting cornerback Terrence McGee, who is expected to be sidelined for a few weeks because of a hamstring injury. So you had terrible Terrence McGee and nasty Nate Clements. Yep. Uh, Nate, was he around? Nate might have been gone by then. but he regardless, have been gone he, by then, yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't be an injury replacement guy. This is Absolutely, a, yeah. I will give a, a huge hint here that he, considering the position he plays is perhaps one of the most appropriately named bills in history. Oh, um, it was, it wasn't Nickel Roby Coleman, was it? No, 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 because it is it, it, before. Cause he did play nickel, Nickel Roby Coleman. So that would also, yeah. Be. Um, um, Rick Corner, Reggie Corner, Reggie Corner. Reggie Corner. Well done. The other guy in the headline, Robert Evans, uh, who went on IR, of course, he was executed by drug dealers in Detroit in December of 2016. So Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We haven't had one of those in a while. No. Oh, my God. Uh, hey, speaking of death, here's a 2008 headline. James Hardy. <laughs> James Hardy could be the headline in 2008 because this was right after his big catch against the uh, Jaguars that won the game. This was literally the week mm. after. But he is not the dead uh, Bills personnel person we will talk about in this 2008 headline. Blank's play calling builds Bills confidence. Uh, Jerry Sullivan says, here we are two games into a new NFL season. I can't think of a single negative thing to say about the Bills offensive coordinator. Well, don't worry, Jerry. Uh, Turk Schonert. Turk Schonert is correct. Yes. Passed away of a heart attack in 2019. Not yesterday. So so you you need a little bit of a hint on Reggie Corner, but you guys are seven for seven. Uh, We're going to go back 20 years for this final headline. It's a little tougher, but it's it's a gettable one. So let's see how you guys do. Okay. 2001, surgery means blank, likely out for a year. Coach Greg Williams said blank's injury is not as severe as the complete tear of the tendon that was suffered by Jets quarterback Vinny Testaverde two years ago. It's higher up in the muscle belly more so than on the tendon, he said. The Bills picked this linebacker in the second round, 39th overall, of the 1998 NFL draft out of Florida State, he made his first Pro Bowl with the Bills in 2000 before suffering this unfortunate injury in the 2001 opener against the Saints. Okay, so so 1998 linebacker. Yep. Florida State. Linebacker. 
Well, uh, you guys are thinking I'll give the the last thing I wrote down, which he would he would play a few. He he didn't sign with the Jets then after 2001. When he came back from injury, he signed or with the Bills, he signed with the Jets from 02 to 04, and he was a regular starter there. But he was never the same player after the injury. He became very Preston Brown like, like nearly 150 tackles, and he get an occasional sack. But he was not the the standout player <laughs> he was with Buffalo before the injury. Is it, is it Sam Coward? What was that? What? Who said? I think what I you said, said Sam Coward. I said Sam Rogers. It is, in fact, Sam Coward. Good job, yes. Frank, on that one. Oh. And good job, both of you, for tag teaming and getting 100% on the September 15th, yeah. 2021, this oh. day in Bill's headlines. I, I am hopeful that that is a good omen that the Buffalo Bills <laughs> will also come out firing on all cylinders against the Miami Dolphins. Some of the cylinders that need a little work right now, uh, Starla Tule limited, which is better than I did not practice. Yep. He has a calf injury. Uh, Matt Milano was also limited with an unspecified in, in, in injury. Easy for me to say. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, unspecified injury, was also limited and did not practice was Gabe Davis, lower body injury. He left the game, you know, so that's that's a little concerning because that, first of all, uh, let's take a moment to give DAP to that. That was a beautiful touchdown throw and yeah. by Gabe Davis. Like that was yeah. a great. That was that was the yeah. offensive pie of the game by far. Great throw by Allen. Great catch by Davis. Great footwork by Davis. Yeah, Allen. By the way, I said a couple times, seven of eight on that drive, and the one incompletion was the throwaway in the end zone. So, um, but like you said, Frank, that's when we all thought, okay, this is the turning point. Yeah, it felt good. Nothing. We didn't realize they were about to have a 2019 third quarter, uh, right. where they were just and then uh, and then uh, a 2018 fourth quarter. So, <laughs> um, yeah, the the third quarter wasn't all that bad. It was like okay, they they kind of you know, gave up a couple field goals. But anyway, yeah. we, we've already talked about that game. Um, those are some of the people who are not playing. We can roll that into our discussion of the Miami game preview. Um, the Bills are three and a half point favorites. Weirdly, Odd Shark predicts the Dolphins to win 26 to 19. Um, they say that the Dolphins will win cover the spread and the total will go under. Uh, so consider that. I don't know what how much stock anybody wants to put in. Um Odd Sharks uh, point prediction totals, um, but three and a half point favorites on the road. Um, I think if Buffalo wins the game against uh, the Steelers, they're probably closer to a five or six point favorite on the road. Um, but clearly they think that the money is uh, is is uh, got some people spooked. The the Steelers game has some people spooked um, and, and we'll have to see if they can do that. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, not a bad team. They continue to have Tua Tagovailoa under center except on fourth and short when apparently they bring in Jacoby Brissett now like he's like a uh, yeah, special like when like when the Bills didn't want to damage uh Tarod Taylor and it's like you know what we have a third and two here EJ come in and sneak this yeah man come on in um <laughs> good luck but uh so they have some of the that going on they have some very good wide receivers I am sure this will be a tricky situation for Levi Wallace again but Levi at least has been a professional over the last few years. He's ten. He's had some good games. We're not gonna. Yeah, and he's had some good bounce back games too. He's had some, yes, I'd say he has had some good bounce back games. And uh, even though the the Miami does have a, a defense, it's probably not quite the Steelers' defense. And so hopefully the Bills will be in a position to to uh, score some points and win a football game on the road against a team that again historically they have uh, done very well in the Josh Allen era. Um, he, I think he's lost once, and that was Charles Clay dropping a ball in the end zone as yeah. time expired. So, you know, 
that's uh, that's that's pretty good, I'd have to say. But let's go to Scott. Scott, um, you picked the Dolphins to win in your quarterly predictions. Has the Steelers game changed your mind, or do you still want to pick the Bills to beat Miami? Uh, give us your thoughts. I said I I picked the Bills, right? right. Yes, I, picked, I, the Bills. I picked the Dolphins. So you I, picked the Bills. Yes. No. I, I I in my mind I knew you were with me on that. I am so yes, sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. No. I'm 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 still gonna gonna stick to my guns here. I think. If if we lose to the Dolphins, like I'm I'm worried, like because I I don't I don't know like if McDermott can't fix it for the Dolphins and get them mentally in the right frame of said right right frame of mind because again like in some ways them losing that game if you're pressing already them losing is only going to add more pressure on themselves right so I think that McDermott is a good enough coach I think he has been able to deal with this in the deal with difficult situations in the past. Though, even if, um, you know, that said, this is a different situation. Like, he's not had to deal with this kind of situation before with the team with high expectations and a lot of pressure on it to perform. That is a different challenge. But I think he's a good enough coach. And I think we have, I think the players with that coaching should be able to understand that they, if they go out and execute as they normally do, they are going to be, they are going to be better than this Miami team, even in Miami. So I will put this score at about, um, I will say, Bills 28, Dolphins 24. I think the Bills barely cover. It's it's not a runaway. Um, I could see the Dolphins maybe scoring late to try and get a little closer, but I still think the Bills have enough to get it done. So. All right, Paul. Were it not for the Charles Clay unable to get back to the ball that Frank had mentioned, the Bills would be going for win number 10 in a row against the Dolphins. They have won eight of the last nine. I wonder when the last time was that the Bills lost the season opener at home, went on the road against a team that is 1-0 and went 10-6 and the previous season, and the Bills were favorites for that game. So it's it's definitely an interesting place to be. So, yeah, the they do have, the Dolphins have those, you know, good talented young receivers. However, they are young, so you don't necessarily know if they're going to be Odell Beckham Jr. or James Hardy at this point in their careers. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but they they will be a test for the Bills. The defense has been great at getting turnovers at opportune moments really the past two seasons, but otherwise they give up a lot of 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 yardage and the Bills were able to take advantage of that in both their victories over Miami last year. I think the Bills offense, they are a well-coached team, as Scott said. I think they get back on track. I think it's imperfect because I think there's going to be some things to work out. I think there's uh, there's obviously they're going to face his own defense, I would expect. There's going to be some you know pressure uh, from the inside interior defensive line because that's you know a formula for beating the Bills. So I'm going to essentially go with Scott and say, yeah, they barely they cover the spread by as little as possible. I'm going to say they don't quite score as many points, but the defense stands up against Tua, and this is a 24 to 20 Bills win, going yeah. against my preseason prediction. Yeah, because I, 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 I they said I said they need to lose one of the first four, and they've already done that now. So okay, so you're just sort of for you the loss was a placeholder. You didn't weren't exactly sure. Right. I I just felt like eh, you know we're we're getting all all high on this here right now. Okay. Something's going to have to throw off our expectations. All right. Well, we'll see if that if that maintains. Now look, they've beat zone defenses before. Oh, yeah. They've managed to handle interior pressure before. So I'm hopeful that 
you know, the talent disparity changes. I think one of the other things is, is I'm kind of with Scott with regards to McDermott and, and getting it ready. But what I really think is, uh, to me, the guy that Josh Allen is, Josh Allen doesn't need to be told by McDermott or anybody else, like, the play needs to step up. Josh Allen is the kind of guy who can look Stefan Diggs and everybody else in the eye and say, like, we're all picking it up this week because this shit ain't happening again. And and the good news is, like, they those guys were already on board. So to me, like, th- this is the culture at work. This is this is where you're hopefully getting the best out of it. I don't know if it makes you a better football team than a more talent, talented football team, but it can make, I believe, a good football team really focus and be good. And so I think that, yeah, the Bills are going to win this football game. You know, they've got me spooked, though. I'm going to have to pick a, a, a – I, I think I'm going to do – I think the Dolphins will score less than 20. I think it will be something like a 23-17 to 17 or a 20-17 to 17 kind of thing. You know, I, I don't really know if it will ever feel like they, they get away from the Dolphins um, completely and, and it will be a, a cakewalk. But I think the Bills will win. I think that they'll they'll score more than once, and that's good. And I think one of the other things we got to look at here, guys, just a quick preview. After the Dolphins game, you've got Washington at home and Houston at home. Okay, but then you play the Chiefs and Titans on the road. Yeah. That and did not go well back to back last year. No, it didn't. And and so you know what? You better beat the Dolphins too, as well as because you, you you could be starting this season three and three, even if you get those three wins in in the middle there. You know, if you get if you beat the Dolphins in the in the in Washington and in, in Houston, you know, you might still be looking at three and three going, OK, well, we've gotten through that part of it. Now, hopefully they'll end up beating the Chiefs or Titans before they go on to play the Dolphins again. Um, and then then the the then they'll have a little more of a dip. But this is the this is the this is the price of, of winning your division last year. Your, your schedule gets harder and you get all these teams on your on your on your list. So. You know, the Dolphins are kind of like, I'm certainly not a must win by any stretch, but if they don't win this game, you know, now you're talking about having to beat the Chiefs or the Titans in addition to some other stuff just to kind of come out of week six at 500. And that's a, that's a, that's a tricky place to be. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on it as we go along. Uh, but we really appreciate you for listening. Um, bbillsmny at gmail.com or facebook.com bbillsmny you can find us mny bills on twitter that's the best way really to go that's the place where we're doing most of our interactions um we're happy to do that i'd like to nuke the facebook page personally in fact if you're a facebook user go to facebook and say tell me why we should have a facebook page because i feel like we don't have very much engagement there and it's like it's fine and i don't want to like take away somebody's primary source of finding our podcast but you can certainly subscribe and other things but the sooner i can get out of the facebook universe the better in a lot of ways um so yeah you're, and, you you have no personal profile there anymore no none 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 which none which um is attached to anybody i know it is literally there to manage this page and one other page that i help my wife with and that's it i don't follow my wife or anything i don't want to know about facebook so if i can nuke the facebook page let me know um but, you know, if not, we'll keep it. It's not too hard to, to do it. Um, until next time, though, we really appreciate you listening. Hope you're having a nice week. Uh, really, really, really ready for a Buffalo Bills victory on Sunday. And until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.